You guys ready for the word? Amen. Go ahead and turn to 2 Samuel this morning. Chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. Before we jump into that, I want to show you something maybe you were or weren't aware of in the word of God that kind of set me on the direction that I want to go this morning. Everybody say table. God has prepared a table for us. We experienced it a little bit just a few moments ago, but God has prepared a table for us. And it's interesting to me, the first command in the Bible is found in Genesis 2.16, and it says, eat freely. I thought I'd get an amen at that one. That's the passage I declare before I walk into a buffet, amen? I love that. I love that command. I love that verse. And then when you go down to one of the last commands found in the Bible, found in Revelation 22, it says, drink freely. So one of the first commands found in Genesis 2 is eat freely. And one of the last commands in Genesis, uh, Revelation 22 is drink freely. And I just want to give you a what if this morning. Just what if everything between Genesis and Revelation is about God preparing a table and an invitation for his wonderful people. And that's the direction I want to go today is what if he's preparing on our behalf? And I want you to keep in mind the next couple of weeks as we lead up to Easter, Jesus spent a lot of time around tables, especially the week of his passion, the week before he was crucified, buried, and rose again on the third day. And we're going to look at some of those stories. But I was drawn back to the Old Testament for this morning to talk about somebody named Mephibosheth. Everybody say Mephibosheth. I just want to see if you can say it. <laughs> Leah asked me yesterday, she said, what you preaching on? I said, Mephibosheth. I said, say that fast five times. She said, I don't think I could. But I was drawn to this story because it is a beautiful story and illustration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is it okay if I preach the gospel to you this morning? You know, it's amazing what a table can do to reconcile. It's amazing what a table can do to make us feel like we're wanted. It's amazing what a table can do to make us feel at home. Everything about a table that the Lord points out in Scripture means that there's an invitation extended. I, when I grew up, there were two of my favorite basketball players were Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. Anybody, anybody with me? Yeah. That's when basketball was basketball, y'all. I know March Madness is going on. I've spent way too much time watching some of those games. So my mind has been in basketball mode here the last you know, couple weeks. And I was thinking about Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, and they absolutely despised each other as players. They were known not to get along. They did not like each other when they played. It was always an all-out war between the two. And they got hired to do a commercial for TV. And they did the commercial at Larry Bird's house in Indiana. So Magic Johnson flies in, Larry Bird flies in. And according to the story, There was so much tension in the room while they were trying to shoot this commercial. It just wasn't going well. They just didn't like each other. And Larry Bird's mom decided she would try to solve this. She cooked everybody on the crew, the camera crew, and everybody that was there, she cooked them a good homemade meal and had them sit around a table. And years later, when people noticed that Magic Johnson and Larry Bird became friends, they said, at what point... Did you guys become friends? And Larry Bird answered, and he said, well, he said, when I sat down at the table, 
I didn't like magic that much, but I got to know Irving, and I really liked Irving. Magic Johnson's name is Irving Magic Johnson. And church, what I want to lay out for you today is there something healing about a table. There is something reconciling about a table. And in the passage that we're going to look at here in just a minute, I want to give you a little bit of context so that we can understand what is going on when we pick up and read. Jonathan was the son of Saul. Saul was chosen by God to lead the people of Israel. He didn't do a very good job. He was always off doing his own thing. So God cut off his line and anoints David. We all know the story, David, for years and years and years and years is running from Saul. Saul is killing you know, the people that, that David was affiliated with, and all this stuff is going on. But in the midst of that, Jonathan, Saul's son, and David became very, very close friends, even more than friends. It said they had a covenant together. They trusted each other. They relied on each other. They, they leaned on each other. And as you come up through the book of Samuel, before we pick up here, what we see is that Saul and Jonathan are killed, and David is doing so well. David is king of Israel. Things are going swimmingly in Israel. The land that they had went from 600 square miles to 6,000 square miles. David had not known a political defeat. He did not know a military defeat. There was food for everybody. The grain was coming in. The chickens were growing. All the good things of the kingdom that were happening. And David, as we pick up this story, says... Who can I show kindness to of the house of Saul? So if you're in 2 Samuel, say amen, and we'll pick up right there. Let's look at this today. I want to break it down scripture by scripture. 2 Samuel 9, verses 1 through 3, and then we'll break down the rest of the scriptures today. Everybody say table. You are invited to a table. There's an invitation extended. Look at this. And I want you, as we read this, I want you to see, anytime you read the Old Testament, if you're looking through the lens of faith and the lens of Jesus, looking back through the cross, you're always going to see pictures of the gospel in almost every story that you read. And that's what happens today. Verse 1, David asks, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now, there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba, They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. My title today is Invited to the Table. Father, for these next few moments and minutes, Lord, I pray that the anointing of God would help me. Send the helper. Lord, as you already have, I pray that the anointing of God that breaks yokes and destroys bondages and heals hearts, Father, would be present here today, that my words would not be of my own, but they would be spoken under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, you would do what only you can do in speaking to hearts and minds and people's lives and bring the invitation to the table of the Lord. Father, we love and praise and glorify you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Today I want to discuss four things from this passage in 2 Samuel that is so important that when we read this text, again, to to kind of reiterate, Jonathan and David were very close friends. They were friends that stick closer to a brother. They 
They had a great relationship. So David gets to this point in his kingship when everything is going so well, and he looks around and he simply says, who can I show kindness to? Who can I bless? And it's important to understand something else. The Israelites were basically, it was a divine, it was a divine connection and order the way they had their king. So God chose the king. And by Saul being taken out of the picture, that meant that Saul and Jonathan have passed away and there's nobody to take the kingship. Now, customarily in their culture, when a king took over, they set out to destroy and kill everybody else so that there was no challenge to the throne. And we know here in the story, and I want to read it real quick. You don't have to turn there. Stay right there where you are in in chapter 9. But 2 Samuel 4, verse 4 says, Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. And as she fled in her haste, he fell and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. So from this point on in the story, in chapter 4, Mephibosheth is crippled in his feet. He can't walk, he can't move around, he can't survive. And that day, they didn't have wheelchairs, y'all. They didn't have a way to get around with a walker. They had none of those things. So for this thing to happen to him at five years old would have meant that he was cast out for the rest of his life. For nobody to care for him, nobody to take care, nobody to, to be there. No, All these different things were going on. And he's on the run, so to speak, but not able to walk. And his family is dead and able to provide for himself. And he's li- living on the mercy of strangers. So David is saying, is there anybody left I can show kindness to? And notice something in the text that I want to point out. When David asked that question and the servant comes... He says not his name, but he says his issue. Let me say it again. When it is said, he doesn't say Mephibosheth. He says, oh, there's one that is lame in his feet. The first thing I want to tell you this morning is a lot of people may know you by your issues, but if you come to church, we don't know you by your issues. We know the invitation to the table that has been extended to you. We should be the very least people to ever bring up somebody's past because we all have a past ourselves. They bring up the issue. Oh, the one who is lame. Have you ever had anybody know you by your past? Oh, the divorced one. Oh, the addict. Oh, the, the cheater. Oh, the liar. Oh, the. Can I tell you, when you come to the grace of Jesus Christ, they no longer know you by your issues, but you're known by the invitation to the table. They didn't talk about his name, which actually, listen to this. His name was Mirbal which meant he was an opponent of the enemies of God. Baal was a God that was worshipped during that time, and he was lifted up, and people would come and worship him and sacrifice to him. And Israel had a hard time getting rid of the worship of Baal. So he was an, he was, when he was born, his daddy, Jonathan, would have said, this one's going to contend for the kingdom, and somebody drops him. Mephibosheth means son of shame. So he had to carry the name from his accident forward as a son of shame. I came to preach the gospel to you this morning, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but when God invites you to a table, you're no longer a son of shame. You're a son of the living God. 
I'm going to preach the gospel so good, some of you are going to be uncomfortable today, so just buckle up. (laughs) Number one today, number one is this. Much like this story, people can know you only for your issues. Oftentimes we are known for the divorce, or known for the jail time, or known for the addiction. So often we identify people by what disqualifies them and look at their situation and we judge quickly and judge very severely in thinking that it was something that they did. You know, what I found about myself is oftentimes I can give myself a lot of grace for my past, but I want to put other people's heads on the chopping block. Aren't we, don't we tend to be that way? And this is what's in the story. Number two today, I told you I only have four things, but number two today, and this is so true, life can be unexpectedly crippling. Church, life can be unexpectedly crippling. What I found so interesting in this text is this man who doesn't have a name in chapter 9 was crippled by someone else's mishandling. It wasn't his fault. Can I tell you something this morning? There are people, and not everybody, and can I tell you, we all have choices to make in life, and certainly those decisions and choices get us into some very dark, difficult, hard places in our lives. I'm not excusing certain choices, but I've also done this long enough to know and understand that a lot of people that I counsel with are sitting in seats every single Sunday, and they are crippled by something that was not their fault. Somebody else dropped him. Somebody else. Church, you may be sitting here and thinking, at some point in your life, it may have been somebody else that said something to you, whether it was a parent, a teacher, or God forbid you had a situation in your life where you were abused in some way and something crept up and happened. In this situation, we understand that at times life itself can be crippling through no fault of our own. Has someone, this is a question for you this morning, has someone else's failure to hold you hurt you? It's those very people that you thought would hold you the closest. It's those very people that you thought would be there the most. It's those very people that you trusted in. It may even been a spiritual leader. As a matter of fact, I feel like for some of you, you've been under a pastor that may have been spiritually abusing, and it wasn't your fault with the pain that you carried in here today. You, you, you folks who are sitting there with your arms crossed saying, what about personal accountability? I'm talking about Mephibosheth today, and we have Mephibosheths in our church that don't think that they could ever come to the presence and the table of God because of something in their past, because people keep calling them broke, and people keep calling them addict, and people keep calling them lost, and people keep calling them. Can I tell you, before the very foundation of the earth, God put out a call, and he said those he foreknew are those he predestined to be the sons and daughters of God. The invitation is his. It's not ours. And he can invite anybody that he wants to his table. And I just came to tell you this morning, there are some things that you suffer with that somebody else just failed to hold you could have been a parent, could have been a trusted coach, it could have been somebody, it could have been a spiritual leader, God forbid, in your life. But don't miss this part of the story. And again, to be sure, we have personal responsibilities. There are many situations we can look at and say, they chose their way into that. There are some situations, many situations like that. 
But there are equally as many we happen upon that they did not choose their way into the situation. Are you following me today? Simple, simple point from the text is Mephibosheth didn't choose to get dropped. He didn't choose to be lame. He didn't choose to be called lame. He didn't choose to be outcast. He didn't choose these things. My point is simple. There are some things in life that we just don't get to choose. Life and other people's choices affect us. And I want to talk to those people today specifically. Look back down at verse 4 there in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Are you with me so far? Everybody say Lodabar. Verse 4, where is he, the king asked. Can I stop there? Identifying where you at is probably the most important element to get to the table. Identifying where you're at is probably the most important element of getting to the table. If you see right here, Zeba answered, he is at the house of Makir, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Now, listen to me for just a couple minutes. Lodabar was in the middle of nowhere. Lodabar was a desert place. Lodabar was a place where outlaws lived. Lodabar was a place that didn't have sheep on the hills. It wasn't the promised land, this Lodabar that he's talking about. It would have been a place of desolation. It would have been a place of difficulty. It would have been a place of isolation. It would have been a place where Mephibosheth is living, just barely surviving and barely getting by, and it's called Lodabar. But do you know what else Lodabar is called? Lodabar means no communication, breadless. It's interesting that David, who came from the house of bread, is seeking out somebody who is living in the house with no bread. And I said this a hundred times, and I'll say it a hundred more times if God allows me to preach that many more times. We are just beggars telling another beggar where we found bread. And this was a breadless house, but the name also, as you get into it and dig into it, literally means the place of no communication. So Mephibosheth is crippled by no fault of his own, his father has been killed in, a, in, in battle. He has been, he's been taken up because, and listen to this, and I'll get to this deeper in just a few minutes. Listen to this. Because he thought David was a certain type of person that would be vindictive and try to destroy him, he runs. And where did he run to? He ran to a place of desolation, isolation, and no communication. If you find yourself here this morning, listen, it's the place. Have you ever found yourself in a place where you have, are going through so much that you literally just shut down? <laughs> listen, listen, other people can't even see or hear your tears in the place called Lodabar. There are so many people that come into our churches and they're suffering silently. They're living in a place called Lodabar. And my heavenly father does not want you living in Lodabar. He wants to extend an invitation to his table because the gospel is right here in these verses. There's many people in this room, you've just gone silent. You don't, you don't even know what else to say and you don't even know what else to do. Has anybody been through enough of life to understand there's those times in life that just take, it, take your breath away? 
They, they, they just, you just don't even know what to say. You don't even know how to react. Look, you didn't go to Lodabar on vacation. A lot of people out on vacation for spring break. I'm going to be leaving this afternoon and heading out for a couple of days. So you all behave while I'm gone, please. <laughs> oh, that reminds me, no prayer meeting tomorrow night, okay? No prayer meeting. There are many people in this room that are struggling in this place. Look back down at verse 5. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. Listen, look back this way. David is a type of our King Jesus. David, the most, the most powerful king that existed. It, it, sometimes we lose this as we read through the story of David in First and Second Samuel and Chronicles and other areas. Sometimes we forget... This probably would have been 15 to 17 years later. So Mephibosheth is about 20, 22 years old, living in a place not of his own making. He didn't choose his way into Lodabar. He ended up there running from somebody he thought was going to kill him. And the king who, when he took over, the kingdom was divided. The kingdom is now united. It went from 600 square miles to 6,000 square miles. David is the most powerful. He's defeated all the other superpowers in the area, the Amalekites and all the ites that were around. He's defeated them all. And David says as the king, the king of Israel, stops and says, clear my agenda. I have something that I need to take care of. What did he say? I want to show kindness. Everybody say kindness. kindness. That word's a beautiful word in the Old Testament. It's a, and I'm not probably not, not going to pronounce it correctly, but it's called chesed. Chesed is the equivalent of grace in our New Testament. In other words, it means loving kindness or mercy. The king of Israel steps back and he says, who is it from the house of Jonathan that I can show the loving kindness of the king? And David sends his people to Lodabar. Can I ask you something this morning? Aren't you glad that your king will come to Lodabar for you? (laughs) Oh, come on, somebody. Aren't you glad that your king will come all the way to the deserted, desolate place of silence and no communication? Your God will go there for you because you have a God that is pursuing you and loves you and is gracious. You say, yeah, but what about, my, what about my feet? I can't walk. Can I tell you something this morning? If God's going to invite you to the table, he'll carry you if he needs to to get you there. That's our God. That's our God. The third thing today is this. The king won't leave you there. <laughs> the king won't let you stay in your place of desperation. Desperation. He won't let you stay in your place of isolation. He won't let you stay in your place of depression. He won't let you stay in your place of sickness and feeling sorry for yourself. He will not let you stay in that place. But we have a king that will come and get you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Why? Listen. God will march right past even all those who doubt you and maybe a prison guard or whatever to get to where you are. He will come because the king won't leave you. The king won't leave you. I I just want to say this. This wasn't planned. I want to say this to some of you. With kids, sons and daughters and even grandkids that don't know him yet, I got a word for you. The king won't leave them. 
the king will find them. The king will pursue them. The king, listen to me this morning, for, for generation to generation to generation, you need to start claiming the blessings of the Lord over your sons, your daughters, your family, and those who are coming up behind you. Because as we see in the story, the king of Israel, listen to me, the king of Israel said, let nothing stand in the way of getting to the one that I want to show kindness to. Oh, the king will find you in that place of isolation, in that place where you step step back and say, God, I don't know why I'm here. That's his choice. That was the king's choice. Hey, clear everything else. I'm sure he had a lot on his agenda that day, but he just stepped back and said, you know what? Here's why. Here's why. This is so amazing. This is the gospel. He says this, for Jonathan's sake. Think of David as a type of the heavenly father and think of Jonathan for just a moment as a type of Jesus. When none of us sitting in this room can say we were extended an invitation and had somebody sent from heaven to earth, somebody sent to our Lodabar, our place of desolation, our place of weeping, our place of isolation. And in this story, we see as a type and a shadow God the Father loves you. Why? Because he loves his son, Jesus Christ. And who are you if you're saved, healed, delivered, and washed in the blood of Jesus? You are in Christ this morning. So God will spare no expense and do nothing but get you to a place of healing and to a place of fellowship and to a place at his table today. Man, what a beautiful picture of the gospel. And I thank God this morning that he will not leave you in Lodabar. He will not leave you separated. He will not leave you in that place. What a beautiful picture. Like Mephibosheth, we were helpless to do anything about our condition. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. You may look at this story and say, boy, there must have been something special about Mephibosheth. And can I tell you, there was nothing special about Mephibosheth besides he had need of grace and mercy, which talks about everybody in this room this morning that we have need of his grace and mercy. You know what that produces? Let me give you a quote. The gospel shows us just how sinful we are. Only the death of God's son could save us, but it also shows us how loved we are. God's son was willing to save us. So what does that produce in us? As we see in the story, it produces humility. Everybody say humility. It produces humility. But listen, it also produces confidence. Everybody say confidence. What's the confidence? I am loved. David's kindness towards Mephibosheth was based on absolutely nothing that Mephibosheth could bring to the table. Can I tell you this morning, God's kindness towards you has absolutely nothing to do with what you can bring to his table. We love to bring in food and share it. We do it the first Wednesday of every month. But you aren't loved for what you bring. You're loved because of who you are here at this church. You're loved because Jesus loved you. Luther said this, Martin Luther, all we contributed to the equation of the gospel is the sin God so graciously forgives. Church, thinking on that should make us look at other people differently. Thinking on that, that all we really brought into our relationship with God, can I be honest and tell you what you brought? 
lameness and dirt. (laughs) That doesn't mean you don't have value. You're created in the image of God. But it does mean sometimes we can step back and look at stories like this. As we talk about the table the next couple weeks, what kind of tables that God sets and provides for us. You didn't get a seat at the table because you're so good. You got a seat at the table. Mephibosheth got a seat at the table because he's so good. Can I tell you what that is? That's good news. (laughs) That's the best news you could hear this morning is that you got a seat at the table. You know why that's important? That's important because when you've been saved for a period of time, I'm talking you may be in this room and you've been walking with the Lord for 40 years. Can I tell you what naturally tends to kind of happen to us, in my opinion? We naturally tend to forget about what God delivered us from. We tend to forget the sin that we walked in at one time, and God's cleaned us up. God's set us down at the table. God has ministered to us through the Holy Spirit for years, and you've gotten deep into the Word, and God has brought freedom to your life, and God has brought all these wonderful things to your life. And what that tends to do is we begin to look around at the same table and think that we got there some other way besides what the next person in line gets there. We all tend to do it. And here's what's interesting. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, that so no one can boast. You may say, saved from what? Saved from eternal separation from God. Saved from what? Eternal damnation and separation from God. But it wasn't anything that you could possibly do. God saw you in your chains and your dysfunction and saw you in Lodabar. And he said from heaven, I want that one right there. Let's go in and get, extend an invitation. That's what we see in this story. God, I, I came to tell you this, just simply this. The king has saved a seat for you. The king has saved a seat for you. What's interesting is when he sits at the table... I didn't know this was going to be up here, but I'm going to use it. Is that okay? Another of pastor's illustrated sermons. But I began to think about this as I studied this the last few days. But think about this. When, when he sat at the table, it meant sitting here at the invitation of the king. He arrives, and we see in the story a beautiful picture of the gospel. And listen, as he sits at the table... It meant that what his disability was, was hidden and covered. Do you hear me today? You who walked in here that think that you're not lame in some area of your life, you lying. And when he said at the table, can I tell you, you have a covering this morning and his name is Jesus Christ. You have something called the blood of Jesus that covers... And he sits down here at the table. Think about this for a minute. Think about this. He sits at a table with King David. He sits at a table with perhaps General Jeroboam who had won and fight all of the enemies of Israel. He sits down perhaps one of those days the great high priest who took care of all the religious duties princes and princesses and all these people and Mephibosheth is set at a table not any longer known by his disability 
but known by what the king said and that he would show them kindness. He's sitting around with all these different people. And you know, as we walk through this in life, as we walk out the gospel and just God cleaning us up and God doing something for us, it's so easy to forget and look back where we come from, isn't it? Because he sits at the table and he knew it was there. (laughs) The king knew it was there. But it was covered. Everybody say covered. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, can I tell you something this morning? You're covered. You're covered. Listen, it's the lameness. It's the lameness that he sat down with. Why is this so important to catch? After time, we begin to feel like we belong at this table. Are you listening to me this morning, church? After time, we begin to feel like perhaps we belong at this table. And he sits at the table and everything that discredited and used against him is under the table. Listen, any enemies Mephibosheth may have had have nothing to say because it's under the table. Look at verse 13. There's something amazing here that I want to finish with. Look at verse 13. It's a very last verse in this text of scripture that we've been reading. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. Y'all, when I was studying that, when I was studying that, I thought to myself, what, what a strange way to end. What a strange way to end this text of Scripture. I would have rather it ended with, and they gathered together, anointed Mephibosheth with oil, and he was healed and walking around on his own power. How many would have liked an ending to that story? But listen to me. Every single word of our Holy Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Everything. Every single thing in there. And it seemed a little confusing to me until I began to just receive revelation from the Holy Spirit of this. At times, God won't take the struggle out of our lives so that he will get glory in our lives. Are you listening to me? In other words, he didn't remove the struggle because Mephibosheth, think about this, Mephibosheth needed the king's grace and mercy 10 years down the road as much as he needed it 10 years before. Are you following me? He needed strength and help to get to the table. He needed strength and help to get from the table. He needed strength and help to go back to his room and to go on about his day. Church, I simply want to tell you the Holy Spirit put that in there because we see lame areas in our lives and we think it disqualifies us from God's grace, mercy, and help. It actually qualifies you because his, his grace is made perfect in weakness. Isn't that what Paul said in in 2 Corinthians? He said, I have this thorn in the flesh that buffets me. I have this something that I have in my life. And that's that's that very thing that actually causes us. Do you understand a person who's been in this church for 30 years doesn't deserve any more a seat at the table than somebody walked in with needle tracks on their arm this morning? That is the truth. The table's invitation is for 
the lame people. He didn't call. He didn't come to call the healthy. He came to call the sick. (laughs) Can I tell you this morning, I found in my life, the same thing that makes life painful at times also produces God's power at times in my life. Let me say that again. The same things that makes my life so painful at times because it's a reminder of how much I need him every single day. From the moment I walk, wake up and draw a breath to the moment I lay my head down on a pillow, I need him to hold my hand into work. I need him to hold my hand in my home. I need him to hold my hand going into Walmart, especially Walmart. I need him. I need him. You need him when you're driving. You need him when you're sleeping. You need him when you're waking. You need him in your family. You need him in your work. You need him in every area of your life. Because the Holy Spirit put in there, and he was still lame in his feet. This sermon this morning isn't excusing things that you have control over. It's understanding that the table will change everything about you. It's understanding that that invitation that God has extended for us to come to his table is incredible. Does it not say in the Bible that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord that he may lift you up in due season. That is the truth of God's word. And what sometimes will keep us humble is just to get a peek underneath the table again. Some of us have sat there so long that you're lame just from sitting. Get up and tell the world that Jesus Christ came and died and rose again so that they can have an invitation to the same table you've been sitting at. Do you know what happens to us when we forget where we came from? You become a religious Pharisee thinking you deserve to be at the table. In church, I don't deserve to be there. You don't deserve to be there. Do you know what that puts us on? Equal footing. I thought of all these great people. I think I thought of all these great people that would have been around that table. How amazing it must have been. And it says, for all the days of his life. Remember what I began with. The first command in Genesis 2 was eat freely. The last command was drink freely. Do you get the impression that God is setting something up for his beloved bride? It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. There is a table that God will put in the presence of your very enemies. There had to be people sitting around that table that day. And as I was preparing this, I thought of my own father. I lost him about a year and four or five months ago. It was the day after Christmas, two years ago, the year before last. I thought about him. I thought about his life. My dad was a good, good man. He was raised in a pastor's home. But... He wasn't educated, was successful, successful later on in life, but he never had a lot of money. Never had a lot of the things that other people would think worldly way. But my dad accepted, even though all the things that he wasn't, he accepted the invitation from the king to give his life over to him later on in his life. And I thought about, thought about something. This, this is your destination if you're covered the blood of Jesus. Your destination, my dad is sitting in heaven with Paul (laughs) and Peter and John 
in Jesus. Why? Because the king said so. Sometimes, church, the only thing that we can say good about our lives at times is the king said so. Look how miserable you are. That's not what the king said about me. (laughs) The king said, listen, here's what the king said to to Mephibosheth when he came. He said, I'm going to restore everything that was lost. Our God is a God of restoration. He literally says that he will restore even the years that the canker worm had eaten. I wasn't planning on sharing this, but give me just a minute to share this about my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law lost her dad at a very young age. He was about six. So her mom remained unmarried and took three or four extra jobs to make ends meet for the rest of the kids. At her age, being the oldest, the other siblings that were younger, she had to spend a lot of time at home raising them. So getting on up in life, she graduates high school. She was the the homecoming queen of her her little high school there in Mississippi, right outside Jackson, Mississippi. Homecoming queen, gets married. Two years after they're married, her husband dies in a logging truck accident there in Mississippi. So she's not even, say, 23, 24 years old, and she's already experienced two really difficult things. Years down the road, she met a man named Brother W.S. McMaster is my wife's father. His wife had passed away of breast cancer. So she comes on the scene, and then she comes into having being single from losing a husband to now she comes into a family that already had four kids, little. So she stepped into a ready-made, go-full-blast family. So from the age of six, her life was pretty hectic and pretty busy and pretty difficult. And I was standing there when this person came and gave her a word after Brother Mac passed away years ago. And I just shook my head and said, wow. This person came and said, Sister Esther, the Spirit of the Lord wants to say this to you. He said, he is going to restore your youth and give you all the years that you lost during that time. And I had a front row seat for it. Lee and I got married shortly thereafter. And for all those years, I just saw a joy and a childlikeness, and all the things. We took her to amusement parks with our kids, and we took took her to Gatlinburg, and she'd ride all those rides and do all these crazy things. And I was a front row seat to a restoration. You don't think God cares enough about your life to see what has happened in the past and to say to you, even today, the invitation has gone forth from the very foundation of the world. Those he foreknew, those he predestined, the invitation has already been given. The question is, will we accept the invitation to the king's table? What I have found is most people say, I'm just too lame. Can I tell you this morning? There is no such thing in the kingdom. The very thing that you think disqualifies you actually qualifies you for his grace and mercy and restoration. There was nothing about Mephibosheth that a king would have woken up one morning except for simple kindness, grace, and mercy. In church, if we ever forget that we are as much need of his kindness, grace, and mercy today as I was 25 years ago of February 1997 when I surrendered my life to him, then we begin to go off track. I just love what he said to him. He said, you are going to sit at my table. 
You know, when, it, when it's the king who invites you, who cares what everybody else thinks? The king. He got dressed in a royal robe. And I, I really believe that there was probably somebody assigned just to carry him to the table every day. Can I tell you, I, I've never wanted to pastor a church. Don't today. Didn't 20 years ago when God called me or 25 years ago. I don't ever want to be in a church or pastor a church where the people who are coming in out there ever feel like they're sitting next to somebody that's better than they are. And that would have been so easy for the people sitting around the king's table because they were generals, they were high priests, they were princes and princesses. Can I tell you something this morning? You may say, man, look how lame I am. It's covered. It's covered. And again, I would have loved to have heard the story of how of how he was healed and able to walk again. I, I didn't come this morning to tell you that that area in your life that you feel like you're in Lodabar, you feel like you're separate, you feel like I'm, I, I, I suffer silently in this. And I want to go back and touch on something because it's such an important element of the story. Somebody else dropped him. It wasn't his fault. You guys have no idea. I sit and weep some of the stories you guys have told me over the last five years. I sit and weep. Because the world can break you down, chew you up, and absolutely spit you out. So church, how much more should people, if you're here visiting with us today, we want you to know what kind of church you're in. We're a church that will carry you to the table if we have to. We will stick close to you. Because we found the answer. Just show up at his table. What a beautiful, stand with me this morning. What a beautiful example of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What, what a beautiful illustration of exactly what the gospel is. Mephibosheth was separated, lost, and in chains. And here, here are five things that he told him. This is so important. Here are five things that he told him in that passage. David promised Mephibosheth five things. Can I tell you this morning, these are the same things that God promises us when we receive the the free gift and the invitation just to come to his table, just to be seated and honored at his table. Number one, he tells him, do not fear. You know what that is? That's security. Do I believe that you can walk away from the grace of God? I absolutely do. Do I believe that you can turn your back and begin to walk away from him? I will tell you this, in all honesty, if you've really committed your life to Christ and gotten saved, you can walk away, <laughs> but you will be the most miserable person on the face of this earth because he's never going to leave you alone. He's not. He's going to put people in your place. I had a situation recently, and it involved my mother-in-law. I had a situation recently where we had her praying about a situation in my family. She began texting that person, you can run from God, but you can't run from prayer and the Holy Spirit. Isn't that true? There's a security with your Heavenly Father. Number two is kindness. Everybody say kindness. God is kind. You may not know that about God. 
He's kind. He's gracious. He's compassionate. He's holy. So we have no way to get to him. But Jesus. Everybody say restoration. All the land, massive amount that belonged to Saul, he gives him. Number four, belonging. Listen to me. You always have a seat at the king's table no matter what. Always. And number five, sonship. 2 Samuel 9-11 says Mephibosheth was treated like one of the king's sons. Do, do, you, do you see that though? Let me end with this. Everything that Mephibosheth, I can't even say it, Mephibosheth feared was about who David was. He's out to get me. He's out to destroy me. I talked about this last week and I had a great question from one of our sisters. And I said, when you, you, you talked about when Jesus shows up at the tomb of Lazarus, he was stirred in the spirit. Certainly it was because of the grief going on around him. It was certainly because of Mary and Martha and how heartbroken they were. Certainly. And the shortest verse in the Bible says Jesus wept. And it says he was troubled, angered, stirred up in his spirit. And after she asked me that question just the other day, I began to think. And I thought, my, my, my supposition talking about that was I think he was deeply moved and angered. And here's why. Because the ones who should have known him the best trusted him the least. That's what the Holy Spirit told me anyway after I thought about it. It's the same thing here in this story. Mephibosheth had an image of the king as demanding. Read, read the parable of the servant, the one who went and buried his, came back and said, well, you're an exacting and a judge. None of it was true. Can I tell you, if you're here this morning and you've heard that God is out to destroy you, it's not true. If you've heard that God's out to somehow take the fun out of life, it's not true. The only truly fulfilling life is surrendering your life to Him and coming to a table. It's not an accident that it was a table this morning. Tables are where we feast. Tables are where we enjoy. Tables are where we celebrate. And we can start on this side of heaven. You don't have to wait till the marriage supper of the Lamb. Some of you, are, you're like you've been baptized in pickle juice most of the time. Bless God. The whole world's going to hell in a handbasket. It is. But I'm saved and on my way to heaven. <laughs> because of the King. Because of an invitation from Him. Ah, you may feel this morning like you're in Lodabar. Bow your head and close your eyes. You may feel, and we won't do any music, this is, this is how I feel in, in the moment in this. You may feel like you're in Lodabar. You may feel like you're in a place. The Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit's working on some of your hearts. Here's the first place I want to go. As I prayed about this and led by the Holy Spirit, I even wrote it down, Jason, don't forget. There are those who, you're in Lodabar. You, you, you've surrendered your life to him. You, 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 you're operating in the knowledge that you have of him in this moment, but you're still in an isolated place. You're still in a place of silence and no communication. Please hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. He's calling you out of Lodabar. He's calling you out of isolation. He's calling you out of that place of tears and calling you out of that place of hurt. As a matter of fact, 
there is somebody that's either here or you're listening by way by way of the live stream. What has happened to you in the past, God wants you to know that there's no excuse for it. God wants to call you out of that hurt. God wants to call you out of that darkness. God wants to call you out of that place of isolation by the Holy Spirit today. My first question is simply this. You've been in that place of Lodabar. You've been in that place of of desolation. You say, God, I'm coming out today. Would you just shoot your hand up right there where you are? You're coming out. Hallelujah. 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 Second question I want to present is you've never received the invitation of this king that loves you, this king who died for you, this king who has everything. You've never received that invitation. I want to ask this this morning. You say, I want a place at the table. I've run from God, and maybe you're running from God. Maybe you maybe you committed your life to him decades ago as, as a teenager or a young kid. You've just been running ever since. There may be somebody here that has that testimony, or somebody says, I've never received that invitation. I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God, and I want to sit at his table for eternity. That invitation is right here in front of you right now today. It's a free gift. You don't have to have a special ticket. Let me tell you this. Some of you think you're, you're, you're too lame or you don't have the right credentials to ever sit at God's table. Can I tell you? There are no credentials except for the blood. There are no credentials except for his kindness and grace and forgiveness today. You say, I just want to surrender my life to him. Would you shoot your hand up? Is that anybody? I'm giving you privacy if there's anybody here that says, I want to accept that invitation to come to his table. I want to accept that invitation. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for those then who are in Lodabar. Lift your hands all across the sanctuary. Heavenly Father, we go through so much in life, and God, we know that we do not have a great high priest that does not, that does not sympathize. Because in all ways, you were tempted, yet without sin. <laughs> Jesus, I thank you that you walked a perfect life and that you paid a perfect price so that our Heavenly Father could be reconciled back to his children. God, I thank you for that. Father, prophetically, even right now, two things, Lord. I call those who are in a place of Lodabar, a place of weeping, a place of desolation, a desolate place, God. I call them forth in the name of Jesus Christ, much like Lazarus coming out of the grave. God, we call them forth. Roll away the stone today, and that hurting, weeping may endure for a night, but your joy comes in the morning. Let this morning be a place of joy and a place of celebration of what you have done to invite us to that table today, Father God. God, those who are suffering silently through things that are not their fault, somebody else dropped them, God. Lord, would you scoop them up just like we saw Isaac holding Sybil this morning so lovingly and so tenderly and with so much love in his heart. I want to remind you of something, church. Jesus said this very clearly. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit? I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, 
the Holy Spirit in this life, he is the table. It's fellowship and communion and breaking bread with the helper, the comforter, the one who teaches us and guides us and speaks to us. That is the fellowship that we have. God, call us out of Lodabar. You have translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your glorious son, into the kingdom of light today. Father, we give you all the honor, the praise, and the glory. I want you to do one more thing, if you're willing to, right now in this moment. Can we celebrate that the king came and found us today? Can we celebrate that? Can we celebrate that? Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. We bless your name. We bless your name. Oh, thank you, Lord. Don't ever forget where you came from, church, because that will help keep our hearts soft. I'll tell you what it will do, too. It will help you run from sin. Sin's real, and it wants to have you. It wants to have dominion over you. It does. Genesis says that it literally crouches at the door, and it desires to have you. We need to rule over it. We need to put it in its proper place. But I'll tell you this, you can't overcome sin without fellowship with God, without empowerment of his Holy Spirit. It's not possible. Not possible. Could you lift your hands and let me bless you today as you go? Father, I love this church so very much. I love being a part of this spiritual family. God, remind us today as we leave here of just how good you are. Let us not carry out of here a notion that you're anything but an inviter, and a God who restores. Father, I bless the people going in and going out, that they would be blessed in their homes and blessed in their, in their workplace, that, God, your face would turn towards us, shine upon us, and give us peace, and give us rest, and give us joy. God, I speak joy over and into this congregation. No matter what the circumstance is, no matter what the lameness is, God, I speak the joy of the Lord is your strength, church. I speak it over you. So today, Father, as we dismiss from here, may we never dismiss from your presence. And, Father, we love and praise and glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I tell you just one more thing? Um, Please excuse me because I am going to head on out of here very quickly. So if you guys will give me that permission, and not because I want to get away. (laughs) Leah woke me up in the middle of the night, and she had severe pain. So we've been up most of the night. She just got out of the hospital this morning, and she's going to have to have her gallbladder removed. So they put antibiotics through her and took care of her, and I'm just asking for your prayers for Leah, okay, and uh, asking you just to lift her up. And I believe God's going to heal her. And if he doesn't, then she'll have a gallbladder surgery, and I'll have to take care of her. So we're all praying God heals her. Amen? Amen. Go in the name of the Lord and be blessed. We love you all. And guys, just, and I, listen to me, listen to me just one more time, because I know your love, and I know your concern, I know your prayers. Please don't blow our phones up. Okay? Thank you.